are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. Welcome to the Locked On Bears podcast, where our listeners get the best daily lockdown coverage of their favorite team, the Chicago Bears. I'm your host, Arthur Arkish, senior editor at Pro Football Weekly and NFC North reporter for USA Today Sports Weekly. If you haven't done so already, and I hope you have by now, please subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast over at iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating, some comments, likes, shares. All of those forms of interaction help this podcast gain traction. So too do our wonderful partners, including FanRag Sports, today's Fast Break, and today's Pigskin.com, and our newest partner, DraftBreakdown.com. After you have checked out all my work at PFW and in USA Today Sports Weekly, and once again, once you've been to both iTunes and Audio Boom to make sure you are downloaded and subscribing to this show, check out the partner sites. I think you'll be pleased with what is over there. That's right. The Thursday, November 3rd edition of the Locked On Bears podcast. I hope you are doing well. Hell, I hope you are doing a lot better than well. We have not had a November 3rd like this here in Chicago in 108 years, and I hope you guys are still soaking it all in. I know I am. I still haven't really uh, been able to process what exactly happened last night, but uh, just beyond proud and excited to be a Chicago Cubs fan today and uh, just a memory I will never forget. I watched a game with my mom and dad last night, and... We were drinking Dom Perignon at 2 o'clock in the morning, so these are not uh, normal occurrences, obviously, and um, I'm not going to try and break down that entire game. I'll just say that when there is a uh, a movie made about the 2016 Cubs, they actually may have to make a separate movie about that Game 7 last night. Uh, obviously an instant classic. I think one of the best decisive games in any professional sports, not just baseball, so amazing. You know, Joe Madden guided that team throughout the season. And I thought over the past couple nights, uh, his players picked him up because some pretty questionable decisions. But look, we don't have to focus on those. We can just focus on uh, the 108-year the drought being over the longest one in professional sports. Uh, amazing. I really still haven't had a chance to put the words together. So I don't think I should do it on this podcast either. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Cub fan, baseball fan, sports fan. I think everyone can find something to enjoy from that last night. So uh, obviously still a lot to enjoy and, and kind of wade through from the Bears big win on Monday Night Football. And to do that, I want to bring in Corey Wooten, ex-Bears defensive lineman and Northwestern product for his weekly hit on the podcast. And uh, quickly before I do that, I want to apologize I know there was no podcast yesterday. I'm sorry. I don't hide from these things. Like I said, guys, 108 years. It's been a busy day. We're working on a Cubs commemorative magazine with the Northwest Herald and 670 The Score, and uh, it's just been nonstop. Like I said, I'm I'm going on fumes, and uh, I know this is the second time in three weeks, I think, that I've been excuse-making. So uh, I hope you guys can forgive me, and I hope you're here listening to the podcast and, and didn't give up on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So uh, we'll try not to have any more absences from our daily podcast again anytime soon, but uh, I can't make any promises. If the Cubs win a World Series again next year or the year after that, uh, there may be another uh, a break in our daily podcast cycle. So uh, forgive me. And now, without further ado, let's bring on Corey Wooten and see what's going on with him. 
Arthur. Corey Wooten, my guy, what's shaking? Nothing much. I see the Cubs win, so I know you're happy. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I already I did our little intro on the podcast trying to articulate my feelings. I failed miserably. Here we are uh, 16, 18 hours later, and I'm still trying to process what I saw last night. So uh, an amazing day for Cubs fans and, and people in Chicago. And uh, I know you're not a big baseball guy, so I won't ask you for a lot of reaction. But uh, uh, I will tell you, you're going to have a chance to more or less host this podcast today because I'm still exhausted, still half drunk, and uh, I don't really have any plans in place. We're just going to kind of uh, go off the cuff. So uh, I'm half kidding. I'm, I'm half not kidding, though. I don't really have any notes in front of me, Corey. So uh, uh, let's see what's going on inside that head of yours. Now a couple days removed from the Bears' biggest win of the season. I guess I'll tee it off this way. In your playing career, how many defensive performances were you a part of where the offensive coordinator was forced to resign a couple days afterwards? Never. <laughs> that, that was pretty impressive. Uh, the Bears look like a completely different team. Yep. And, you know, we had talked about the preview of last week of how Minnesota's O-line is really the weak link, and it showed. And I think that was the final straw for what they saw with North Turner these past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Sam Bradford was getting destroyed. Your line wasn't holding up, and he kind of didn't have a plan. Chip held, play action pass, getting the running game going a little more. So I think that was the frustration with the front office. And I think, you know, resigned, you know, is a, is a kind word for saying you're fired. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Norv Turner, I have the utmost respect for. He's done a lot of good things in this league. So while I do totally agree with what you're saying, uh, he's obviously been working with a short deck and, you know, backup offensive tackles, second quarterback of the season, no Hall of Fame running back. So not an easy task for him, but uh, you're absolutely right. And, and, Corey, it was interesting to see the juxtaposition of Dawa Loggins' play calling. Uh, he certainly seemed a lot more prepared. He was knowing he had backup guards in the game and knowing how dangerous the Vikings pass rush was. And I thought that was the best uh, game plan he's come up with all season. Some of that quick stuff that we didn't see enough of from Minnesota. Would you agree? Definitely. That, that's what we talked about, you know, in last week's preview about how they were going to have to, you know, do some stuff to hide the guards a little bit and take the defensive line and the linebacking court out of it, you know, with their pressures, with the, you know, just straight up pass rush. So I thought that he did a great job, you know, especially Loggins with the play calling. And then the guys going out there, they did a great job. Only one sack against a team, you know, that is known for getting that pressure and that, those sacks. Yeah, pretty awesome stuff. And, Corey, I can't uh, break down line play like you, obviously. But uh, what allowed, beyond Dowell Loggins' scheming and um, – uh, just going out there and giving it their all, obviously, the cliche way of putting it. What specifically did Eric Cush and, and Ted Larson get accomplished there in the middle, and certainly Cody Whitehair, too, um, to where Cutler's pockets seemed fairly clean most of the day, most of the night? It did. There, there was maybe one time where I saw um, Limbo Joseph hit Cutler. Um, but other than that, I thought they did great. I think it's just working together as a unit. Mm-hmm. you know, with the protections. And you know one side always has center help. So I thought he did a good job of kind of mixing mixing up when they're sliding left, when they're sliding right, to be able to help that. And then I thought they just went out there and did it because they, sometimes they were singled up against some good pass rushers. Limbo Joseph, who's one of the best nose tackles, in my opinion, they held up well against him. What about Cody Whitehair specifically? What can we say about uh, the second-round rookie center at this point, now halfway through his first season? 
Um, what kind of growth have you seen? I mean, I almost feel like with an offensive lineman, when you're not noticing them a ton, um, that is sometimes when they're playing really well. Again, I'm, I'm kind of the, the novel, the novice here, but uh, what do you think about Whitehair and, and kind of where things are headed for him? Great. I think they have their center of the future. I think it's worked out great for them. I think initially they didn't think he was going to play there, but injuries and things happening kind of forced him in there. And a center is a position, that's the quarterback of the O-line. And the way he's playing as a rookie and making these checks, making these calls, and then having two veterans in Kyle Long and Josh Sitton who are Pro Bowl caliber players, it's only elevating his game. And seeing what they do in practice, he's, he's, like a, he's like a sponge right now, absorbing everything. And I think he every week you see him getting better. And the way he's using his hands and, and everything, it, it's just coming along. And it's great to see a guy as a rookie be so promising and know that you have that guy for, for years to come. Yeah, no doubt about it, Corey. And obviously there's been uh, you know some bad luck involved, too, with Ryan Pace's uh, – uh, first couple first round picks certainly with Kevin White and, and we'll get into Leonard Floyd here in a minute but uh, boy those second rounders I know we haven't seen Eddie Goldman in a while he's still trying to get over the ankle injury but I think we've seen enough of him to know already uh, he's going to be a, he has a chance barring health to be a big time player in this league and I'm feeling the same way about Cody Whitehair so that's very encouraging before we talk defense I know you're anxious to get onto the defensive side of the ball just your thoughts on Jordan Howard um <laughs> You know, from the third play of the game, and he busts out the 67, 69 yarder. I can't remember which it was, but um, just kind of the 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 variance of skills that he had on display Monday night, uh, from the power to the speed. Uh, just does he look like the total package at this point when they do feed him properly? He does. I, that's what I've been talking about all of, over all of our our, our our podcast. I thought, mm-hmm. why did they ever get? away from giving him the rock. He's a right. talented guy that shredded Minnesota defense. Minnesota's defense looked great and not Monday night. They, they look like a completely different team. And I think you give him the rock, it takes pressure off the quarterback position. And you saw what it was able to do with Brian Hoyer in there. That's why he started to play well. You know, he didn't have any turnovers, 300 yards plus, a couple games. And then Cutler comes in. You know, and they get that running game going, so it takes pressure off. You could do those quick step passes. And then the the, the defensive line is kind of on the toes. Are they going to run it? Are they going to pass it? And they get frustrated after a while. And that's what you saw on Monday night. That's all what the running game does to a defense. What's the mindset I always like to try and get inside your head from your playing career? And I may have asked you this before, but I don't think it's ever kind of held more true than it does uh, after that Monday night game. You're, 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 uh, you're, excuse me, I can't talk. You're trailing in the fourth quarter, and there's just an absolute jackhammer on the other side just wearing you down. Uh, what happens mentally in, in those types of situations? I think that's what I love the most was Jordan Howard in the fourth quarter just absolutely running over defenders. Uh, your thoughts on what that can do both physically and mentally to the opposition when you have a weapon like that? It takes a toll on you. We played guys like Adrian Peter you know, two times a year, which, you know, one, one time we usually were able to contain them, usually at home, but when they're at Minnesota, it was a completely different story. And then Marshawn Lynch as well. Guys like that, that just get stronger as the game goes on, and you hit them, one guy is not going to bring them down. Even even the defensive linemen, you know, I, my rookie year, we played Marshawn in the playoffs 
we played Seattle at home, and there was 10 guys on him, and he still didn't go to the ground. And that's got to be demoralizing when you try to tackle somebody with 10 guys and <laughs> you can't get them on the ground. That just shows how powerful and strong these guys are. And as the game goes on, they get stronger. So I think they need to just lean on a guy like Jordan Howard throughout the games, and I think you're going to see that's the formula for success. Lean on him, takes pressure off the quarterback, and and play solid defense like they did this past week. And I think that's that's you're going to see them start mounting up these wins. Yeah, Jordan Howard named the uh, ground FedEx Ground NFL Player of the Week actually on his birthday yesterday, so I know that had to be a pretty cool treat for him uh, to be rewarded for that big-time type of performance. And, uh, Corey, certainly we have to talk about Jay Cutler too, but maybe we'll leave him for the end of the conversation. Let's get into the defense a little bit. Uh, I was thinking about you up in the press box Monday night because we've talked on the podcast about uh, a D-line rotation and keeping guys fresh and uh, just giving guys opportunity to, to just go hunt, I guess. And uh, I thought that that was the best example of that we've seen so far this season. Uh, Cornelius Washington, very active. Akeem Hicks had his best game as a bear. Uh, you mix in guys like Bullard and Unrine, and then obviously the outside linebackers as well. Um, do you think that's kind of the, the vision uh, when you start? And, and obviously they still don't have Eddie Goldman to work with, but uh, did you think I was sort of seeing things accurately where they were benefiting from each other and uh, getting to sort of rush in waves like that? Of course. I think that's the recipe of success for any successful pass rush. Mm-hmm. You look around the league and the teams, like we said, that can bring pass rushers in waves usually have multiple sack games and they have five sacks in that game. That's a huge game. You know, whether or not, you know, their their O line is good or not or indifferent, five sacks is tough to come by if whoever you're playing. And they're they get paid too. They have chip help, they do this and that, but five sacks in a game, that's incredible. And I think when you have these fresh pass rushers, you're able you're able to send different guys at them. You know, Pernell McPhee's more of a power guy and you saw that incredible rush he had against T.J. Clemens where he absolutely manhandled him. And you see Leonard Floyd, more of a speed guy. So it's giving them different looks. And I think old lines hate that. It's like, oh, I may be able to hold up against this guy. But then when you bring a speed guy, maybe you bring a power guy, it throws them through a loop and they kind of don't know how to react to it sometimes. Uh, Corey, I have mostly pretty much only positive things to say about the defense, but I do, and it's mostly a joke here. Uh, did you have any bad <laughs> memories when when there was a uh, a, a loose fumble hanging uh, hanging out on the field and no bears going after it? Um, I think that may have happened toward the end of yeah. your career in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Are you having a bad case of deja vu when a key mix doesn't uh, scoop up that ball? I'm sorry, I had to do it. You're talking about (laughs) when the playoffs were on the line. And traditionally, you know, in our our previous year in 2012, when we had Lovey Smith, that ball would have been picked up, scooped, (laughs) and scored, and we would take it to the house and then celebrate. But it's all about how you practice. And that year, we didn't practice the same way. We didn't have that same philosophy, that same mentality that Rod Marinelli instilled in us. And that's all it is, is this practice habits, because you have to pick up the ball. You have to, because that's a chance where you, you make a you make a huge play, and it's something that people, you see in the league all the time, that people are going to scoop up. Even if it's close, you, you scoop it up. Even if they, they blow the whistle, you scoop it up anyway. It mm-hmm. should just be a habit. So I think they need to, to do that in practice more. So 
and again, I mean, we're just pretty much having fun here. It was obviously, you know, by leaps and bounds, their best performance of the year. I'm just asking you because you've been a part of one of those instances. Uh, Vic yeah, Fangio, Vic Fangio is so <laughs> highly respected, though, and he's been preaching takeaways all year. Do you think that was more a momentary blip, more so than a lack of proper practice habits, or do you think uh, they do need to go back to the drawing board a little bit and, and ensure uh, that they're kind of, you know, hammering this home and it doesn't happen again? You know, I think every coach, defensive-wise, hammers, you know, getting turnovers, right. taking the ball out. But it really is different than d- doing it every day in practice. I don't know what, what their practice is like. Right. I don't know how their coaches are in practice. But I would say from 2012, when we were getting the ball out and leading the league in that, to 2013, it was completely different in practice. There'd be balls on the ground that people didn't scoop and score. Mm-hmm. And those little habits – they, they, they creep in and these bad habits happen and you see what happened that one year in 2013 and you kind of see when, you know, last week when it happened. So I think a little bit of it is practice habits and a little bit of it is a mental blip. But I think, you you know, the, the way you create those habits eliminate usually those, those blips. Okay. Uh, spending a few more minutes here with Corey Wooten. And, uh, Corey, let me ask you, uh, if Cornelius Washington keeps showing out like he did the other night, is Jonathan Buller going to have a chance to get on the field as much as maybe some Bears want to see the, the third-round rookie they're so excited about? I think it's going to be tough because I think this is a huge year for Cornelius Washington. It's his contract here. So mm-hmm. I think they want to see as much as they can from him. You know, obviously the, the playoffs are going to be tough for the Bears to overcome how they start out the season. So I think this is about finishing the season strong and evaluating for next year. So I think they want to see Cornelius Washington a lot. They know they have Jonathan Bullard for years to come, but Cornelius Washington is a free agent. So I think they want to see as much as they can from him on the field, see what he can do, and see if he's valuable enough to bring back for next year. Yeah, it's a great point by you. And, uh, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about certainly any, uh, you know, any inherited players that Ryan Pace can – you know, want to keep around obviously is kind of like a cherry on top of his rebuild. So we'll see if Washington can become one of those guys. What do you think about the way they were using him? It looked like he was lined up really wide uh, on that sack, which really was just an effort and pursuit sack. But uh, it seems like he's getting moved around a little bit more. Are they trying to use his explosion when they, when they line him up uh, further down the formation and let him get off? Is that right? Of course. um, He's a guy that's even at 290, 295, still is as explosive as can be, explosive as a traditional 4-3 D end or outside linebacker. So I think he's a guy that you can use in different spots. You, know, you use that versatility to maybe stand him up a little bit a little bit wider, kick him inside at a five technique, kick him even more inside at three technique. And I think that's kind of a nightmare matchup. You know, if he can, if he can like I said, get his hands, get everything, and it's starting to come along. You know, his effort is there. He's got the speed. He's got the quickness. It's just about, you know, refining those tools, those hands, working this and that, and film study too. You know, it'll all come together. But I see him getting better every week, and that's what you love to see from a guy who has all the physical tools. So I, I, I like what I see from him. 
Yeah, Corey, I think maybe Cornelius' biggest uh, deterrent until now has just been health, right? And watching him look fresh and look healthy has certainly uh, been encouraging. We'll see if he can build on it. Um, I said I wasn't going to say anything more negative about the defense, and here I am being a Debbie Downer. But let me ask if I'm crazy on this (laughs) or if you maybe see where I'm coming from. Uh, Sam Acho is fine. I know that he's a, you know, an important presence in that locker room and certainly has done some nice things on special teams for the bears throughout his tenure. But now that you have your top three, your dogs back as Pernell McPhee would like to put it. Um, I, why did it feel to me like any time that Acho was on the field instead of Leonard Floyd, the bears were doing the Vikings and, and Jake long specifically a favor. I completely agree with you. I think Sam Acho is a role player. I think he does that extremely well. Plays the run solid. Mm-hmm. Pass rush will give you effort, but he's not an elite pass rusher. He's not one of the better pass rushers on the team. So I think any time you have a tackle like Jake Long, who was struggling the week before, struggling in this game, you want that speed rusher in there that's going to make him try to bend bend his knees to get around the edge. You saw in the weeks prior, Connor Baldwin just ran around him. A DB ran around him, so you know he's having trouble bending, coming back from those knee injuries. So I would have sent Letter Floyd at him the whole game. I would have done a Dwight Freeney type deal, have him run up the field, have a linebacker cover him. I, yeah. I would have done that because I think you can exploit teams like that when you send these quick pass rushers like Leonard Floyd. That's his specialty. That's why you drafted him to get after the passer. You didn't really draft him to to play the run. So I would have liked to see see him more. You know, then I would like to see Acho. So I think it's just a game plan thing. Maybe they thought it would be better that way, but they should have put Leonard Floyd in there. Okay, interesting. And, uh, you know, I ha- it's been such an insane week. I haven't even really had a chance to look at the snap counts, and maybe I was overplaying it a little bit. It looks like Acho still was a distant fourth. Well, not a distant fourth, but he did uh, kind of bring in the rear in terms of the outside linebacker rotation in terms of snaps. He had 20. Pernell McPhee was at 25, Willie Young at 36, and Leonard Floyd at 41. So it was spread out pretty good. Uh, but we'll see if, if maybe as McPhee gets healthier, certainly, um, if that kind of still continues to go in that direction. Um, just a few more minutes with Corey. I've already kept you too long, but there's so much good stuff to, to discuss. I hope you got just a couple more minutes. Cut me off if you don't. Yep. Um, what about Willie Young? Time, man. All right, cool, cool. I appreciate it. Uh, Pernell McPhee shows up in the box score with all the big hits. You mentioned the big one, uh, you know, going past uh, what's-his-face, TJ Clemmings, and just destroying Bradford. Um, and we we know about what Leonard Floyd accomplished. What do you think about Willie Young's game? My my colleague Kevin Fishbane has an interesting stat on Young. I know he's kind of performed Yeoman, Yeoman's work at, at at times when they were shorthanded and has been their best pass rusher. He also isn't playing super disciplined. I think he has five or six offsides penalties this year. Um, what do you think about Young's performance and, and kind of where things are going for him as the rest of the group gets healthier? So you said he has five. He has five or six offsides. He leads future. leads the NFL in neutral zone infractions, and he has more than some <laughs> other teams combined. Yeah, that, that reminds me a little bit of uh, Michael Bennett last year. I think he has four or five in like one game. Yeah, uh, he's a guy that's try, trying to jump the snap. I mean, mm-hmm. any any defensive lineman that, that tells you that they don't try to jump the snap, line up as close as you can, is lying to you. Because once you start to get a cadence down, and you see it over the game. You know, if they're going on blue, that's usually one. Or if they go on, you know, a different cadence, usually on two. So you kind of get a feel for it. And a lot of times, teams are smart. You know, they think, oh, Willie Young, he's a guy that's going to try to get off the ball. 
And on the other side of, of, of the ball, you know, with the other team, Everson Griffin is a guy who always does that. So you see a lot of people always try to hard count him. So right. I think they're, they're, they're guys that try to get off, and you can't blame them because when they get the sacks and it pays off, you love it. You love to see that fishing dance. Um, so I think he's <laughs> a guy that just tries to get off the ball and get some sacks because that's what we pay him. That's what the Bears pay him for. Right. So I think um, I think he's done a great job, and I, I think people are concentrating on him a little bit more because mm-hmm. he's their best pass rusher right now. Mm-hmm. So I think you see a little bit more chip help. I think you see protection slide to him a little more. Okay. So I think he's becoming their elite rusher, and that's why you see that. Okay, that makes sense, and uh, we'll see if more opportunities uh, present themselves for him. As again, McPhee gets healthier, the book is is getting out on Leonard Floyd, obviously with what he's done. Uh, Corey, one more quick one on Floyd, and then we'll just leave with a big picture on Jay Cutler and what you expect for the second half of the season. Uh, but I do want to know what you think has been the biggest difference, other than help with uh, health with Leonard Floyd. Uh, his outside linebacker Clint Hurt, uh, outside linebacker coach, excuse me, Clint Hurt said this week. Uh, it was about Floyd's hand usage and, and always having his hands up. Have you noticed a difference there? And uh, maybe what else has jumped out about really now two very dynamic performances for the number nine overall pick in back-to-back games? Exactly. I, I agree with him completely. The hand usage. When I look at a game, at the Bears game in specific or any game, mm-hmm. I look at the D-line all the time. I look at how they use their hands. I look at when they're running and they're getting to that contact point with the offensive lineman if their hands are down or their hands are up and ready. What I saw in the first couple of weeks with Leonard Floyd was his hands were down when you're getting to that contact window, when the O-lineman either punches you or grabs you, depending on what type of O-lineman they are. His hands were down. So he was getting hit in the chest a little bit more. Now I see when he gets to that contact spot, his hands are nice and they're tight. So he's able to hit their hands off a little bit better, or if they're able to get their hands on it for a second, you're able to get them off quicker. Mm-hmm. And that's what I saw in the game, and that's what I see over the weeks with him that hand usage, because that's the difference between college players and NFL players. Because you look in college, Leonard Floyd can run around people all day. That's right. it. At right. the NFL level, you got talented guys that use their hands, and you have to use your hands. You can't just run around everybody. So that's what I'm seeing from him, keeping those hands up in the contact zone, being able to swipe them off. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And, you know, obviously everyone said he needed to get a little bit bigger in the strength and conditioning program in the NFL and uh, needs to kind of still get, uh, you know, maximize his body and whatnot. But in the meantime, that seems to be so important. Uh, I would assume that means, uh, you know, encouraging signs that he's coachable as well because he's listening to Hurt and you're seeing improvements there, obviously, right? Smart, coachable guy. Exactly. That's what you love to see from a young guy, a young guy that wants to be coached, that wants to learn, that wants to be a sponge and absorb all this. So it's great to see him, you know, not only take what the coaches are saying, you know, just doing it in practice, but taking it to the game field because that's a different story. Anyone can do it in practice when it's not on the line. But under the lights, Monday night football, I really like what I saw from him. Very good. And, uh, Corey, for real on the way out, just your thoughts on Jay Cutler's return to the lineup, what it meant uh, you know, for the guys on the field, the way they performed, and maybe for Dow Loggins as a play caller, just sort of the J effect, we'll call it. And then I don't want a second-half prediction by any means, and I don't think anyone's fooling each other into saying the Bears are going 8-0 in the second half and going 10-6 and and in the playoffs. That's not realistic. But um, can the arrow be viewed as pointing up after one strong performance like this? And uh, just maybe your kind of general feelings on, on what you want to see in the second half from this team. I know that's a lot I just threw at you, but just big picture I think stuff. I'm, I'm Jay Cutler, 
I really like what I saw from him. We had talked earlier last week about how I thought this could be a tough game for him because of the Vikings defense, D-line, front seven in general. Mm-hmm. But he came out and he silenced a lot of people because people thought, well, he didn't start off the year strong. Brian Hoyer outplayed him. He's coming off an injury, going against Minnesota. No, that ain't happening. But he came out there and did great. Limited his turnovers, made some great throws, great decisions. And what I loved, what I heard, what he did before the game, pregame speech got everybody fired up. Because that's something that was surprising. Because when I was in Chicago, that never really happened. There was other guys that gave the pregame speeches that got guys fired up. So that showed that he's embracing that leadership role now. So I love that because you always want to see your quarterback be the guy that fires people up when the team is in a little lull to get them going. And they play fired up in that game. I'll tell you, they had one of their best performances offensively and defensively together. And I love what I saw. Very good. Yeah, that's all promising stuff. I agree. We're we're certainly seeing things through the same lens, and maybe it does. You know, maybe we'll Corey. We'll save like a second half preview for next week. But just quickly glancing at the schedule, I, I think there's going to be some opportunity. Maybe the schedule looked tougher before the year, but now you got a couple winnable games coming out. Uh, to begin the second half, going to Tampa and going to New York. And uh, maybe things are on the upswing for this club. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, uh, that's Corey Wooten, as always, with you today on the Thursday edition of the Locked On Bears podcast. Uh, Corey, that was just awesome stuff today. I can't wait to get this uh, up and published for the listeners. And uh, uh, thank you so much uh, for being on the program, as always. Yeah, thank you, my man. Make sure you recover and get your Pedialyte. I know you were celebrating all night because <laughs> – you know, having a, having a couple of brouhaha, so, so make sure you hydrate, man. <laughs> I will do just that, no problem at all. Uh, and thank you again, Corey. We will uh, send you off on that note. We will circle back maybe next Wednesday or Thursday and do a little bit more of a, a second-half look ahead before we get into the Buccaneers, okay? Sounds good, my man. All right, awesome. That is Corey Wooten, former Bears defensive lineman and a product of Northwestern, joining the program. As he does each week. Thanks again to Corey Wooten. Great stuff today. That is going to do it for the Thursday edition of the Locked On Bears podcast. One more reminder to head over to iTunes and make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Bears, the best daily podcast for your insider Bears information, and the Locked On Network overall, Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson, Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer, and, of course, Locked On Bulls for the basketball fan here in Chicago. The Bulls have tipped. The season is underway And Cody Westerlin and Sean Hyken are breaking it all down for you there. Thank you again so much for being with me. Go Cubs, go. What a night it was. And uh, this one's going to be celebrated for quite a while. And uh, I hope you're soaking it all up the same way I am. Thanks again, guys. Have a great night.